Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, December 15th. What have been the biggest challenges for Calgary's business community this year? And just how optimistic are local businesses for 2023? We take a look back and a look ahead with Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Next, how have high inflation and economic woes impacted the amount we give to charities this year? We catch up with Jake Fuss from the Fraser Institute for details on the Institute's 2022 Generosity Index. And finally, the future is electric, but are we ready for it? We discuss what the future of electric vehicles looks like in Canada and the infrastructure improvements that need to be done to make it a reality. Just how challenging has 2022 been for Calgary's business community? Joining us to talk about it and look ahead to 2023, hopefully more positive, is Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining us again. Good morning. It's been a tough year for a lot of people, individuals. What has it been like for Calgary's business community overall? Well, Calgary's business community has had to navigate the, the, the emergence from the COVID pandemic and recalibrate how they do their business. And one of the biggest challenges, of course, we hear this over and over again, is uh, the you know the, the need for talent, uh, the labor shortage. I mean, that is something that everybody has been dealing with through the year, and it's really something that we're going to see uh, persist into 2023. And the other piece, of course, is now that the, we've had supply chain challenges; those really haven't been addressed. I mean, that hasn't really come off in terms of the pressure. And, uh, you know, we are seeing rising rates, but we're also, the inflationary trends are also taking a bite out of businesses. Deborah, I'm not asking, you know, for poll numbers or stats per se, but can we can we give some kind of an estimate of, of what percentage Calgary businesses have returned to normal levels? No, that's that's a tough one to say, but I would, I would say that when you look at sort of, we survey who, you know, what the, what the the sentiment is in terms of how businesses are feeling. And what we found was sort of 14% are very optimistic and 43% are somewhat optimistic. So that's 57% of businesses in Calgary feeling optimistic about what's ahead for, for the, for 2023. I think that's, that's, I think we'll take that a 50, you know, almost 60% uh, positive outlook. Obviously still other issues that are continuing to be faced. And like I said, it's that labor piece is still going to be something to be worried about. So if we could kind of sum up 2022, would you say labor would be sort of the big issue that really affected businesses all this year? I would say labor and also just the inflationary trends and the supply chain issues. So those sort of three three pieces of um, uh, that, those are the three variables that I think were the biggest ones for, for businesses. Those customer service, hospitality experience, or retailers, you know, uh, obviously we're in crunch time here for, for Christmas and the holiday season. How important, or does it hold an extra importance this year in 2022? Oh, you know, it, it's, it's critical. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting when you sort of start to break down the numbers in terms of uh, who feels most optimistic versus least optimistic. Least optimistic are, um, you know, accommodation and food services uh, amongst uh, other sectors because they are so challenged on the on the labor side. What do you? So it's, it's it's continues to be and, and retail does factor into that as well. Um, but certainly we heard this we've heard this over and over again. The, the accommodation of food services is still very very squeezed and in fact, us all the uh, from the the hotel association said that just recently. Deborah, what do you do as a chamber to try and kind of keep everybody feeling positive and moving forward despite all the challenges we've had and continue to have? 
Well, what we recently announced, uh, you know, we recently released a talent report just talking about some of the things that need to be addressed in terms of alleviating this 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 labor crunch but i also think that you know we try and look for ways to support small businesses so one of the things that we do have as when you do become a chamber member you have access to something called chamber chamber benefits through the johnson group which is a very affordable um, program for employers to offer benefits to their employees which you know a lot of people do want to have the benefits and when you look at retail and hospitality salons service sector generally they need to keep employees, and that is absolutely one way to to, to, to do that. So it's one way to, to, to keep employees by offering the benefits and, and investing in your employees as well through through courses that we also offer, as do other organizations. But it's really about uh, making sure that you do what you can to retain, to attract and retain that talent. And that's everything from, like I said, offering benefits to looking at ways to help them reskill and upskill so that they can be part of the workforce or or pivot from where they what they were doing. Deborah, time to polish up that crystal ball. A look ahead. Uh, what are you seeing for Calgary businesses into 2023? And what are you hearing from business owners as far as optimism? Well, I, you know what, I, I'm hearing that there is a sense of optimism in terms of where we're going. I think people are still concerned about factors that they can't control. You know, we know that interest rates have been rising. That also obviously constrains your ability to to borrow. It is something that they're very, very aware of. But I would say that, you know, there I, I, there's an op- sense of optimism. It could be not as a robust a year as people might have thought initially, but 2023 is definitely going to be better than 2022. And I guess one thing we all have to remember is that we have in this province what the rest of the world needs. We have natural resources, we have energy, we have food, and we have the ability to produce both. And that's going to support the Alberta economy uh, better than other other provinces that don't have that resource exposure. So we will be sheltered somewhat from from the overall, uh, I say, macroeconomic picture. But still, there are there are issues that persist. Thank you so much for this, Deborah. Thanks for checking in with us and Thanks. keeping us up to date as what's happening with our business community, our very important business community in Calgary. Thank you for Thank your you time. for having me and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too. Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Inflation, economic woes, are they changing or impacting how we give to charities in 2022 with some details? He's got the numbers with him. We're joined by Jake Fuss, Senior Econom- Economist with the Fraser Institute. Uh, good morning to you, Jake. Good morning. You folks put out a generosity index, the 2022 index. Apparently, it's it's not sky high, is it? Well, every holiday season, we track the generosity of Canadians. Um, and in this year's study, we found that the share of income donated by Canadians to charities has reached the lowest point since the year 2000. And this is obviously bad news for the most vulnerable in our society who rely on donations for essential things like food and shelter in particular. Jake, uh, how much less are Canadians giving than in previous years? I think we can all figure out the why, but how much? Yeah, I mean, our results have shown that the percentage of income donated by Canadians has been on a rapid decline for a while now. So Canadians only donated about half a percent of their income to charities in 2020. Um, And this is the lowest number since the year 2000 when we saw Canadians donate uh, just over a 0.6% of their income to charities. Um, And and we've seen this really rapid decline, especially since the recession in 2008. Um, It's really continued now for, for quite some time over the past decade and a half in particular. 
Jake, I know you guys go big picture at the Fraser Institute for something like the Generosity Index, but can, can we break it down to, to different regions or provinces? So, for example, how does Alberta rank? Yeah, so there are pretty stark differences between certain provinces. So if we look at Manitoba in particular, um, they've been number one um, in terms of uh, Canadian jurisdictions on generosity for quite some time, and they're number one again this year. Um, if we look at Alberta, for instance, uh, we've seen pretty, um, you know, big declines in generosity in Alberta over the last decade in particular. Um, so we've seen the share of income donated in the province drop about 20% since the year 2010. Um, and we've also seen a pretty substantial drop in the percentage of tax filers making donations to charities as well. That's dropped by about 27% um, over that time period in Alberta, which is the second biggest drop among all provinces. Um, so we are seeing these trends really across all provinces, but there are jurisdictions that are experiencing bigger drops than others. And Jake, what about how we compare to other countries, particularly to the U.S., say? How do we rate in terms of giving? Yeah, so generally, um, if we look at comparisons to the United States, for instance, um, we find that Canadians donate um, a far less percentage of their income compared to Americans. Um, so if we look at um, data from 2018, for instance, um, Canadians gave a lower percentage, about 0.5% of their income to charities than what Americans did, which was almost 2% of their income. Um, and you know, these results are obviously quite eye-opening because but they're not necessarily surprising um, because the data demonstrates Canadians have been less generous than our southern neighbours for many years now. Jake, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing the details with us. Thanks very much for having me on. That is Jake Fuss, Senior Economist with the Fraser Institute. And unfortunately, the same way that, you know, you, you do not buy luxury items and maybe you buy the off-brand when you're at the grocery store when economic times are tight... It's it is it is to a certain extent, and I'm not sure if this sounds flip, Sue. It's a luxury to give to charity. Like if you have those oh, kind, of, for sure. So there are I, a lot of people not in a position to feed them or yeah, their own family. So I can see why this is not a shocker. Mm-hmm. I guess times the, are tough. Yeah, the best we can do is is hope for better times around the corner. But in the meantime, it, it's tough when we we get those texts on our text line saying, "Hey, you know what? Listen, yeah. I'm, we're we're struggling now. Is there some institution that can help us? Some organization mm-hmm. in the city?" So, you know, twenty years. Since 2002, have not been this low. Yeah, you know, if you can't give money, though, or a, a gift for some of these things, then you can Good always point. give your time, right? Absolutely because there are a lot of people can. out there who would love to give, but they don't have anything to give. But you always have, or hopefully maybe you've got a little bit of time, whether it's, you know, a half day, once a week, once a month, whatever it is. Yeah. Charities will take that from you. At they the food need bank, it, right? maybe yeah. delivering meals to seniors, whatever, whatever you, you can, can do. give, for Absolutely. sure. With the gas price roller coaster we've been on in Alberta, it's certainly no surprise people are looking at electric vehicles as an alternative and a sound investment. But are we ready for the EV future? Joining us to talk about it is Kevin Lisso, co-founder and chief executive officer of Enter Savings. Good morning to you, Kevin. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, what kind of growth are we looking at? I mean, the EV market's certainly expanding, and it seems like it's pretty quick. What kind of growth has the EV market had through just even this past year in 2022? Well, it's it kind of differs between uh, all the different provinces, but we were down in the 2 and 3% three years ago. Uh, Ontario is probably right now right around 11%. Uh, Alberta is somewhere right around there as well, about 9.5%. Um, what we're seeing is uh, the leader in, in our country is Vancouver. They're up over 22%, Quebec around 19%. So we've seen a huge jump. It's actually been doubling pretty well every year. So we're seeing huge growth right now. And, and, and I, 
I attribute that to, you know, there used to be just the Teslas, right? And, mm -hmm. and now there's every manufacturer is coming out with EV lines. Everybody is gearing up for this transition and the, 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 the law that will be in place in 2035. So, yeah, we're seeing some huge growth. Yeah, but if you read any articles about electric vehicles or, or watch any videos, you might hear a term or, or see a term called the EV tipping point. What is it and, and why is the EV tipping point important? So they've done a whole bunch of studies worldwide, actually. And uh, Bloomberg, actually, this is a study that was, was done by Bloomberg. And um, they call it the tipping point, and they're saying that once we hit 5% adoption rate, that they call that the tipping point or uh, the tsunami is about to happen. Um, and so far, there's 19 countries that we've got over that 5% level. And so that's what they mean by the tipping point where you're going to start to see an influx of manufacturers making the cars, um, EV charging systems, and um, you'll notice that all the major thoroughways and the, and the highways now are at, your, at uh, your info centers and at your gasoline uh, depots. They're all coming out with EV chargers. So, yeah, the tipping point basically means we, we've hit the point now where there's no turning back. Everybody is sold on EVs for the planet, for cost savings, and, and it's it's coming. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And, Kevin, you kind of touched on it, but, you know, the infrastructure needed across Canada to, to be able to support the growth of electric vehicles. Is it there? Are we getting there? Are we not even close? What would you say? Well, the, the municipalities in different provinces all are taking different approaches. Um, we've learned lessons from China, South Korea, California, uh, even Vancouver that, you know, our grid, our, our power grid was not built to, you know, handle millions and millions of charging stations, okay? And it's something that um, each different, as I said, province and, and municipality is gearing up for enlarging transformers and, and, and getting ready for this. But we're, we're still a long ways out to to be able to accommodate the amount of vehicles. And that's why it's so important that when you're thinking EVs, like just to put a simple EV in a, in a single dwelling home is, is not an issue. Um, but when you start getting into shopping malls or high-rise condominium buildings, you really got to think about energy management. It's not just slapping in a charger. It's managing that electricity and being able to draw that electricity when it's available and not draw it when it's not. And there are systems out there now that you can load management. And um, it, it's, it's really important that there's planning go into this, you know, adoption that's coming. And, and that's the big message that we're, we're, we're getting out there to everyone. Kevin, I know when you, you have something new hitting the market, and I recall back in my childhood, I, I think that my first uh, uh, VCR at home, my dad paid about 800 bucks for it to play VHS cassettes. Uh, the Commodore 64 computer, I think, was 1600 bucks for everything. Obviously, the prices are considerably lower now. How long does it take from adoption more so on the mainstream and passing that tipping point till we see prices of the electric vehicles more in line of what we're paying for traditional vehicles? You know, I, I'm telling you, I, I watch this market very, very closely, and 
I've started looking at, like, we, we have the largest booth coming up in the Toronto Auto Show, and every manufacturer is rolling out their, their different EV models and lines. And I'm quite impressed with where the pricing has got to now, quite frankly. Chevy Equinox has a beautiful SUV that uh, that they have out for under $40,000. Um, Ford is coming out with you know vehicles between 38 and $50,000. So I think we're we're almost there when it comes to the pricing side of things. Um and you got to remember that you know it costs basically $8 to charge up a vehicle that can run 450 to 500 kilometers versus 100 plus to to fill it full of gas and there's all the maintenance you know there's no there's no maintenance on engines and oil changes and so there's 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 so much savings there as well so you can't just look at what is the price you've got to look at all in what does it cost me right like for oil changes and brakes and this and and then so you can't just look at the cost of the vehicle but if you know there was one player before and it was tesla right and then you started at 70 80 000, so people have this thought in their mind oh my god ev cars are so expensive but if you really start doing your homework they're not that expensive they're not much more than normal gas combustion vehicles and i i see that coming into parity very very quickly with the amount of evs that are are, are, are coming onto the market now Kevin, one of the big criticisms is the battery. You know, what do you do with it when it's no good anymore and we're going to have this massive, you know, influx of of dead batteries, giant batteries from these vehicles. Can you speak to that at all, what that looks like, how long they last, and are there any programs available to try and sort of, you know, reuse, recycle in any way? Well, there's and there's a few hints, like they tell you don't charge over 90%, similar to your, your computer battery. If you leave your battery plugged in all the time it, it, it the life expectancy is cut in half um you know one of the things that that they say is look just charge your car up to 90 percent don't let it get lower than 10 percent don't give it some of these superchargers where you're pulling in in 15 minutes here you're charging your vehicle that's not really the best thing for your battery it should be more of a standard four hours five hours when when you do you take these the advice of uh, um you know some of these professionals that are making these batteries you're going to get seven to ten years out of a battery there's there's absolutely no doubt and just like anything computers tvs um and cell phones prices start way up high and i'm telling you by the time we get five years seven years everyone knows that we've invested in a huge battery manufacturing facility down in the in in uh, um, western sorry eastern canada down in the uh, windsor area and i think that by the time we get to five to seven years when some of these batteries start going the prices are going to be really really decent it, it might sound a little scary now when you're talking about a battery costing seven thousand dollars it's like putting a new engine in a car right but I see that being down in the $2,000 range in five to seven years. And, and you know, we've seen that in, in technology everywhere. So Good I points. don't think it's as big an issue as people are making it. Mm-hmm. Good points. Very insightful. Thanks for your time, Kevin. Not a problem. Appreciate it. You take care. That's Kevin Lisso, co-founder and chief executive offer of, uh, officer rather, of Enter Savings. You can find out more about what he does at entersavings.com.